Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 199. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty well myself. I wasn't asking. I know. <laughs> Sadly, I know. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Alejandro G. Inritu's The Revenant. And that's going to be the only review this week, I believe. Oh boy. Because <sighs> you didn't... Did you see anything else? Mm, nothing new. Okay, that's fine. We'll also be going over some of been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, and Blu-ray releases. Got a couple news items to go over this week, so we'll start off with that. The yeah. BAFTA nominations came out. I'm not sure if you had a chance to look over this, so nope. I figured we could breeze through these real quick. Uh, so, best film went to uh, The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Carol, The Revenant, and Spotlight. All right. Uh, you know, I, d- I missed Bridge of Spies. I didn't didn't see that one. Me either. I just, uh, I don't know. It just didn't no really interest. interest me. No interest. This is, when we go through these nominations, because we've done this a couple times now, and I can't remember what all the ones that we've went through like the specific nominations, but do you kind of notice that they're all the same? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of like why. And almost all of them are movies that come out very late in the year. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff that came out in like the last month. <laughs> yeah, like I just, uh, I, I have a hard time believing that they tr- like the truly best movies of the year all come out at the end of the year. Now, I know that we've talked about this many times before where, you know, uh, distributors release their stuff at the end of the year, the, the stuff that they think is worthy of awards. But I'm sorry, but that's not, that's just not how it works. Not all of the best movies come out at the end of the year. They can't be that strategic with it. Well, for them, that's how it works. And I think that goes back to that, the, the Harvey Weinstein article about the whole award season and what what's happening to it yeah but they're the ones making it that way i I, yeah i mean that's that's true (laughs) i think that he's perpetuating it for sure but but i think that what what he's saying is he's that you kind of have to like you you have to at this point like your movie's not going to get noticed it just it gets so quickly forgotten because there's so many other things but it's funny because there it's only being noticed by the, the people that are into this yeah if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, uh, it's just so boring. Yeah, it's it's uh, the whole awards thing is getting it's it's definitely getting a little dry these days. Outstanding British film: we have Forty Five Years, Amy Brooklyn, The Danish Girl, Ex Machina, and The Lobster. All right. Interesting to see The Lobster get some love in there. Yeah, that's a bit odd. How is that a British film? I don't. Did they film? I, mean, I guess. I don't know. Is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you designate it as a British film. I mean, the, the director's obviously Greek, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I'm pretty excited for 45 years. Yeah, that's playing around here. I I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't really been interested in it actually. Unbelievable. <laughs> Outstanding debut by a British writer, director, producer. We have Alex Garland for Ex Machina. Debbie Tucker Green for The Second Coming, Najee Abu 
Noir f- and Rupert Lloyd for Thebe, Sean McAllister, Elam Sh- Shakirafar for A Syrian Love Story, and Stephen Fingleton for The Survivalist. Mm. Interesting. Uh, There's some movies I've never heard of. I have, I believe I've seen The Survivalist. If what I was the second correctly. one you said? Second Coming. The Second Coming. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, the Survivalist, I believe, I saw at uh, Tribeca. In oh, fact, Jesus. I know I did. Like, that was that was a bit of a downer. That movie, holy crap! There's like 37 movies called The Second Coming. <laughs> this one's just called Second Coming, not The Second oh, Coming. Okay. So that might okay. help narrow it down. All right, Idris Elba. Okay, interesting. It's kind of snuck in there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, film not in the English language. We have The Assassin, Force Majeure, Thebe, Timbuktu, and Wild Tales. A solid lineup there. Uh-huh. All right. Documentary. We have Amy Cartel Land, He Named Me Malala, Listen to Me Marlin, and Sherpa. Okay. I have not seen any of those. <laughs> me either. I, have, I do have award screeners for most of them, but I just haven't gotten around to seeing any of them yet. Animated film. We have Inside Out, Minions. Minions? Minions. <laughs> and Sean the Sheep, the movie. No, only three? Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. I guess only three animated films came out in the UK this year. All right. Director, we have Adam McKay for The Big Short, Spielberg for Bridge of Spies, Todd Haynes for Carol, Ridley Scott for The Martian, and Alejandro G. Inuritu for The Revenant. All right. Notice how George Miller and Mad Max are mysteriously... Nowhere to be found. Well, it didn't didn't come out in the last month. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. (laughs) Original screenplay. It's their fault. Yep. Original screenplay. We have Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, The Hateful Eight, Inside Out, Spotlight. This this list is um seems to be mirroring the Golden Globes very very closely. I don't know. You just keep saying like the same movies, and I just I like I checked out. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 Just occasionally I hear spotlight. <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. Adapted screenplay. We have The Big Short, Brooklyn, Carol, Room, Steve Jobs. Leading actor, we have Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Matt Damon for The Martian, and Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. Leading oh, actress, yeah. we have Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, Brie Larson for Room, Kate Blanchett for Carol, Maggie Smith for The Lady in the Van, and Sorsa Ronan for Brooklyn. Uh, I don't think I need to go through any of the other ones. Now, <laughs> it should be noted that, that um, Mad Max was nominated for several things. It was nominated for cinematography, editing, uh, production design, and costume design, and makeup and hair, and sound. Okay. And special visual effects. Uh, so yeah, it, it didn't get forgotten completely, but you know, it's it's. I I think it stands to reason that if you get nominated for that many other awards, why would you not get nominated for some of the like best film, Great. best the director? Ones, yeah, because you're kind of saying we enjoyed every aspect of your film and thought that they were good enough to be nominated, but overall, the film. Yeah. Not good enough. It's not a drama, so sorry. Not happening. It's not a period piece drama. Right. Sorry. It's gotta be a period piece, man. Uh, the most awards uh, nominated were for Carol and Bridge of Spies. Each of those got nine nine nominations. Wow. I remember back in the day when 
when if one movie got like six, it'd be holy crap, they're sweeping it. <laughs> but now, it's, it's, now it's like there's now it's, there's more than one movie that gets upwards of nine nine nominations. Which is two it, separate when movies. it comes down to it, they should just be like, here are the five movies that we really, really like. And we would like to give awards to all of them. And then that's it. Because yeah. they just pick like the same movies for each category. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we get it. You love Bridge of Spies. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the BAFTAs. Uh, that will be, the awards will be announced on February 14th. Oh, I can't so, wait. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> February 14th. <laughs> Mark, mark your calendars for that one. Moving on. Uh... <laughs> what the hell? Oh, God. It just takes them a long time to decide between those five movies. <laughs> yeah. They're just not sure. Uh, a lot of deliberating, I think, is, is happening here. <laughs> Lots of deliberation. Is it going to be Carol? Is it going to be Bridge of Spies? More than we like Carol? Uh, so moving on, Star Wars has officially become the highest-grossing domestic release of all time. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, we knew it was going to happen, but the question was when was it going to happen? I think that it happened a lot sooner than a lot of people anticipated. So it's it has uh, surpassed seven hundred sixty-four point four million dollars domestically at the box office. And it is has now uh, surpassed Avatar. I know. Yeah. Avatar. I'm glad because I don't think... So right now it's at 812, and this is as of this recording on, on uh, Box Office Mojo. It has 812 million. So it's it's going to be the first film... It'll probably be the first film to hit $1 billion domestically. Mm, still smaller than that Powerball, though. Yeah. It's did weak. you buy, did you buy tickets? No, because I don't understand how Powerball works. <laughs> Wait, I'm just I did, intimidated. I'm intimidated. I, bought, I can't do it. Yeah, I bought two, and I just did the quick picks. And the only reason I knew to do that was because somebody was in line in front of me. <laughs> he just copied them. Yeah, and he was like two two for quick picks. So I was just like, I'll have the same, please. <laughs> I'll have what that that guy just bought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It's too intimidating. Yeah, I was all I was also intimidated by the whole Powerball thing. Just like I had I had no idea how any of it worked. Yeah, I don't know when they draw numbers. I don't know anything. All I know is just from people like no one won that Powerball. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, okay. I, yeah, like I didn't know I didn't know where to look to find the numbers, so I I searched on Twitter and found the the, <laughs> the, the resulting numbers on Twitter. <laughs> That's what Adam uses Twitter for. Check his power results. Check his quick picks. Check my quick picks. Uh, yeah. So Star Wars is huge. It's dominating everything. It's it's now uh, it's beat out Avatar, Titanic, and interestingly, Jurassic World was number three on the list. Wow. Yeah, but now it's bumped down to number four. Jurassic World. I honestly, I didn't think okay. that. Uh, We're gonna be talking about that later. I, I just, uh, I'm su- surprised. Like, I get that. I didn't know that it did that well. Yeah, same here. I mean, I knew it did. I, I knew it did a, did good, but I mean, holy crap! Uh, on a on a sadder note, Angus Scrim passed away. 
this just happened. This was just announced uh, either earlier today or late last night. Angus Scrim was the the actor. The, he was the tall man in the Phantasm films. Hell yeah! He was in a lot of the uh, a lot of Don Coscarelli's movies. I liked him. I liked him quite a bit. Uh, I did. I never met the guy. I did see him in person a couple times. Yeah. But from everything I heard, he was he was a really great great guy. So it's sad. He apparently he passed away very peacefully. He was eighty nine years old. So. No. Rest yeah. in peace, Angus Scrim. Thank you for horrifying tall, me tall over man. the years with your tall man. Fucking tall man. <laughs> tall man is terrifying. Yes, the tall man is terrifying. And I love the fact that he's terrifying in the sense that it's just, like what terrifies me is just him walking down yeah. the street. He's just him just him walking down a long hallway can just scare the shit out of you. Yep. Scared the shit out of me. Yep. Trailers this week. Got a couple to mention. Uh, the first one I wanted to mention is not a it's not a movie, but it's a Netflix. I don't know if it's going to be a series, like an ongoing series, or just kind of. A, I think it's just a special, like a like a mini series, and that's the Get Down. Have you seen the trailer for this? Mm-mm. What's this? Check it What's out. This get Down. Yeah, check What's it out. Here's the thing: it's from Baz Luhrmann. Okay. So immediately I'm like, oh, that's odd. No. However. The if you look at the the new trailer that was released this week, it's I think if you search for it on YouTube, it's uh, the Get Down Sizzle Reel. Uh, very excited for this movie. It it takes place in the late 1970s in New York City, and it's like kind of it looks like it's kind of a love story of sorts, but it kind of takes place in you know the it, it looks like. A very New York story, but the way that it looks visually, I mean, it looks like it's from the 1970s. And that's one of the things that has me the most excited. The other thing is that it looks like it's going to be a a lot of it's going to revolve around the birth of hip hop in New York. So I'm obviously really excited for that, too. Oh, my God. This looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely excited for this. It looks like there's going to be some kind of warriors, warriors type callbacks in there. Oh my god, this looks amazing. Yeah. Who knew? I don't know if you have sound turned on on your on your thing, but if if you don't watch it, watch it again after we record with the sound on because there's some great music in it too. This looks unbelievable. Yeah. I'm I'm like really excited for this. I'm not sure how it, the love story is going to stack up cuz it it looks like it might get a little melodramatic at, at times but it still looks like it's going to be quite a quite a great show so excited for that to get down make sure you check out the trailer for that the conjuring 2 had a trailer come out why i don't know man like why? Why? i i'm just done with the whole supernatural horror thing i liked the conjuring one i liked the first one i liked the the characters of ed and lorraine and I'm glad they're back for this one. And it's a prequel of sorts. It takes place in, I think, 1977 or something like that, around that time. And it's the the case that she mentions in The First Conjuring, the, the one that, like, almost killed her and she uh, couldn't talk about it anymore. I figured they would. Yeah, I figured one. they were going to do that, too. But, uh, I mean, that's fine. The trailer doesn't really do it for me. It has a couple creepy moments, but it just kind of looks like more of the same. 
the one thing that I liked a lot about The Conjuring was just the just the visuals in that, and I'm hoping that it'll be on that same level, but I guess we'll see when that comes out. And uh, the only other one I wanted to mention was there's a, a new teaser for Daredevil Season 2 that came out on Netflix. Um, not a lot to see with this one. It was kind of this stylized uh, teaser with takes place in a church and all of the characters are kind of like painted on the walls of the church and it doesn't really reveal anything so it's i wouldn't say it's like a must see it doesn't get you it doesn't show any footage of uh the punisher or anything like that doesn't get you amped up no i mean i was kind i mean i'm already kind of amped up for it just because they did announce that the punisher's in it and i'm really excited for that but Eh, I don't know. This this uh, teaser didn't do it for me. It was cool, but it just there wasn't really anything to it. There was no new footage or anything like that. There was no footage at all, actually. So, yeah, I don't know. Either way, yeah. that, I believe, comes back in March. So, cool. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our first and only review this week. It's probably going to be a shorter show because uh, just a little spoiler for what comes ahead. I did not see anything this week, so... <laughs> <laughs> all right i did i did see things but it's i'm starting my uh trying to get a leg up on my festival coverage stuff so i've been watching some slam dance oh you getting all that slam dance yeah so i've been i've been starting to watch those which i can't talk about just yet so anyway i have nothing so let's talk about the revenant because i did see that this is directed by alejandro g in your two, I have a synopsis here. Frontiersman named Hugh Glass on a fur trading expedition in the 1820s is on a quest for survival after being brutally mauled by a bear. Stars oh, wow. Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Donald Gleason, Will Poulter, the the guy from Buzzard. I can't remember. Joshua Burge. Yeah, Joshua Burge. <laughs> Oddly enough, that was like the most exciting part for me. Well, what? I didn't recognize him at first. When he shows up at first, I'm like, hey, wait a second. Yeah, as, as soon as I saw him, I was like, is that the guy from Buzzard? And then I had to look it up. I'm like, it is. Holy crap. He has like a big beard in this. I just, I kept, and I kept like hoping that he would come back. Yeah. I'm like, I hope there's more Joshua Bird. All right. So I believe that I talked briefly about this on my, on the uh, our top 20 list because this, this landed on my top 10 i think uh so i don't even remember i i don't i don't remember where it was where it landed 2015 is dead to us yeah we're moving on we put it behind <laughs> us as soon as the list gets published that's it i move on i push it out of my brain and start yeah. filling in 2016 there you go uh so we'll start with you kevin what did you think of the revenant revenant um cinematography is um quite good quite quite good now see that i think that's interesting because <laughs> typically you don't you you weren't a big fan of birdman no so i was thinking oh he like i loved the cinematography in this movie i thought it was out of control amazing but was i was um, thinking oh kevin's probably not gonna like this it was unbelievable I'm i was glad you liked it that was I, I and i knew kind of going in just judging from the trailers seeing the trailers that i was gonna love the cinematography first off so I already kind of knew that regardless of the story that I would for the most part like it. 
because it already had me won over with the visuals. I, I think that the the cinematography is really interesting because I think he I think he takes some risks in this. There there are some things that he does, some angles and some movements and and just some stylistic choices that almost push it into like experimental territory. And I think that uh, it was a really good choice to to be kind of bold with the cinematography. There are some interesting choices in there, especially like in the sense that he lets you know that the camera's there. Right. I mean, that, and that's, number, that's... Num- number one, you you know it's there because it's essentially constantly moving. Right. You know, it's always in movement. But to have, you know, the breath show yep. up on yep. the camera lens. And that was, that was one of the notes that I wrote down as soon as I saw that in, in the... I mean, you have like blood, blood show up on the lens and stuff. That happens a lot in movies. Yeah. But you, you rarely see where they pull the camera in so close that the breath shows up and fogs up the lens and they yeah. leave it in. And there's, I think there was even a couple of times where I think, you know, when they got rid of the boat and everything and they were climbing up the hill and then uh, Hardy has that kind of hostile interaction with DiCaprio. And when Hardy's like loading up, I think it was a donkey. He kind of hits the camera as he's packing the donkey up. Yep. Yeah, he hits it. But you already had me won over so much with because the way this movie starts is just incredible. Let's talk about (laughs) the opening. Like that was just like, well, okay. Regardless of what happens from here on out, I mean, I like it enough just for that. Just because that exists. I'm just gonna say it. This movie is not for pussies. (laughs) Oh boy. This is not for pussies. It is not for pussies. This is just ridiculous. I don't because me and me and my wife were kind of talking about this afterwards because she was like, "That was." There's a lot of disgusting things in this movie, and she was saying that you know you can kind of see why someone would say that, even how ridiculous it is to to point that out that it's not a movie for women, but. It really shouldn't be a movie for men either. Like you shouldn't be watching this and be like, "Yeah, this is my fucking jam." Yeah, survival. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> well, hollowing out a dead horse and sleeping naked inside it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's for that's for men only. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why do uh, you think that's cool? That is not cool. Yeah, I didn't want to get into that that aspect of the discussion this early on into the review, but I, I don't, I think any kind of statement from a critic or otherwise that says that any, any film, I think any film, when you say, well, this is for men only, like this is for dudes, yeah. this is a dude film. Like, come on, just it's, just it's so 2015. Ridiculous. Get off of it. Movies are movies. Anyone can enjoy them. It's not exclusive to one gender. Just get off of it. And, and, and to say like, this movie's not for pussies. Like, <laughs> come on, just let's just talk about the movie for God's sake and what what happens in it. Yeah. What 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 if what if a pussy was reading that and they were like, you know what? I really liked that movie. That offends me. That you can <laughs> that that's not for me. There's someone that identifies themselves as a as a movie pussy, and they're just like, oh, Oh. I think that there can there there can oh, be people care. that are squeamish when it comes to you know violence well, yeah. or graphic imagery in movies that can still appreciate well, I tell, the film we despite t- that. 
how many times do we talk about it? that's me yeah like, i don't really like horror movies you know where it's just like an onslaught of people being murdered like i just i can't get into that and there were some things in here that i couldn't get into either like when you get to the part with the dead horse and he's hollowing it out i'm just like <laughs> yeah. oh my god we're gonna you're gonna show me all of it the- okay like why why the- like what is the point of this i don't think that this is considered a spoiler but the thing that got me about that scene was afterwards like the when he like woke up and there was like the white it was like white cream was, yeah like, when he squishes it, yeah he squishes it so freaking gross and i'm just like you could have easily just had him you know the quick shot of him like cutting the horse and then <laughs> yeah quick shot nah. of him waking up in the morning it's like no i'm gonna do the whole thing right now but I think that that's more yeah. effective in a, in a film like this, where clearly he wanted to drive home the horror that this guy had to go through in in real life to get through this situation. And I th- I think in movies like this, it's completely um, justified to show that type of stuff. I think that in some movies they show disturbing, graphic, or gross imagery just for shock value. But I don't. I don't think that that's really the case in this. I mean, no, no, clearly so he either. knew what was going to happen by showing some of the stuff in this. It is shocking, but I think that it all it all adds to the fact that holy crap, this is a true story. This guy really had to crawl 200 miles to get to safety and it's just a, it's an incredible story. Uh I want to rewind a little bit to towards the beginning of the of the film now it says in the synopsis that he was mauled by a bear and boy was he mauled by a bear <laughs> he gets i was there was a part of me that was like i i hope you do the ballsy thing here and just make this movie two and a half hours him be mauled by a bear let's do because let's just keep this let's keep this sequence going uh it was uh i i thought that that was actually an incredibly shot scene. It looks so real. I don't. It does look real. Let's, I yeah, don't let's understand the how first. they managed to do that. It looks. It looks ridiculously real. Yes, and and, and just, it just small. it keeps going and going, and you think it's over, but no, it it happens again, and you're just like, <laughs> holy crap! He gets that little respite, and yeah. that bear comes back. Oh my god! Incredible. Uh, there, there was just there's so much to talk about with this this movie. There's there's so many things that happen, and it is a long movie. I mean, it it is 156 minutes long, but you do feel it at times. It's it starts to drag a little bit, especially because yeah. you start off so strong. Because that whole initial sequence with the the fur trappers getting yeah. and everything, like oh my goodness, just the way that that's shot and everything about it is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and then you follow it up with the bear attack, which seems to play out for like fifty minutes. Just Leonardo's cat just being attacked by a bear, and then I it, to me it, it kind of died down a little bit towards the end, where it's just like okay, it did, but it picks back up. At least it picks I, back I up, but the, the, the thing that I the thing that I couldn't get behind is this incessant need for these these flashback like you know, vision sequences. I just did not understand the point of this where he would add the, you know, his wife and everything. And it just added nothing to the film for me. 
the only one I liked was the one, and I think they showed it a couple times actually, but just the look of the giant mountain of skulls. Oh yeah, the like the pyramid thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. that. I, I, I did. That I, cool. I did like the visuals of that, but then you know it followed up with like her levitating above yeah. him. Yeah, it's just like what. I mean, I could have, I could have certainly done without that stuff, but it didn't really, it didn't bother me too much. It didn't. I think it, I just thought that what the message in the the main narrative of him just trying to survive and how ridiculous it is and pointless in the the scope of things because the landscape is so unbelievable and majestic and you know there's the little tiny dots of people traversing it just to kill each other for really no other reason besides killing each other. I thought that that was plenty enough that, it, you know, you got that point across and I thought that that works especially well. And then to add this nonsense, just, I just kept distracting me from it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was supposed to convey his, his kind of, his state of mind at the time. Cause I know, but I just, I don't understand the, this need to, to add this. And especially the number one, because it's so poorly developed. To add this like spirituality god nonsense to it, yeah, I I, I could see that. I could agree with that. But it, I think again, if you cut all really that stuff me. out, you cut all that out. Except maybe like one shot of the the pyramid with the the skulls and everything. It'd be so much better. Plus, you would cut out how much fat. Well, out, yeah, like, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I feel like you could get that point across by having one like one sequence, like one flashback fantasy sequence, you know, yeah. and, and just get it all out there. Cause I'm not even a hundred percent sure what he was trying to say. It's just so muddled. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was him just trying to, to fight, to, to keep living. He's yeah, remembering just, his wife. Just adds that. It tempts that deepness level that just fails miserably. Now, I, I, did, if... I did like the fact that I got to hear Tom Hardy be like, God's a squirrel. <laughs> oh, his his <laughs> accent? <laughs> his accent was amazing. It sounded like a... I, I tried to to look up this character, like the, the guy that he played, because it sounded like a... It was like... It almost sounded like it was a Pennsylvanian accent. A little it, bit. It, it sounded like, like a, a York but, County accent. But like mixed with a, like a southern drawl to yeah, it. Yeah, it had a little southern drawl to it. But just a lot of the words that he said sounded very like Pennsylvanian. It's from Pennsylvania. That's where he's from. And yeah, yeah I, I, lo- I loved his accent. <laughs> I thought he was, he was great. John Fitzgerald. Uh, which, okay, let's, let's get into something here. Because we're talking about Hardy and DiCaprio. Do you think DiCaprio should win for this? I do. Should, do you think he should finally get an Oscar for this? I do. I don't I think do. he does. I don't think he's that good in this movie. Especially I, I when he opens his mouth. Jesus. I thought he was great. I thought he was great. I mean, dialogue-wise, there's not a, not a whole lot there. But just, I mean, him going through... I mean, he, he cut open a horse and crawled inside of it. Yeah, but he actually, you know, cut open a horse. So technically speaking, he's not really acting. He's he's just cut like I can cut open a horse. <laughs> well, it's not that hard to cut open a horse. <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> you just the sharp thing, just straight down the middle. Just cut that horse open. No, I mean compared to some of his other performances that he did not win Oscars for. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say, and I think that's what we're getting into here now with. 
his like at some point they're just gonna give it to him for something that's like just kind of close just to make up for all the times they didn't give it to him yeah i mean like let's look at what was this was uh wolf of wall street his last movie like compared to that i think he was better in wolf of wall street but i mean he had more to work yeah. with in wolf of wall there's street. definitely a lot more nuance to his character instead of a guy that just i mean a lot a lot of grunts. this movie was him by himself so there wasn't a lot of dialogue involved it was a lot of just him reacting to things and you know trying to trying to survive this is you know kind of a kind of a castaway situation it's good with that sans volleyball though yeah sans volleyball and a much much worse time i feel like he had a much worse time <laughs> yeah. than tom hanks yeah did. i would think so <laughs> jesus uh just yes. never never ending onslaught of terrible things yeah pretty much pretty much if it wasn't like just the elements just nature trying to kill him it was animals or uh, native americans or anyone else his own crew his own crew trying to bury him alive good luck Uh, um another thing that i'm kind of curious about why is domino gleason in every movie like who's his agent I don't know. He's he's on a tear lately. How he is showing up in every fucking movie. If I, it almost feels like seventy five percent of the films that I watched from this year, Donald Gleason was in them in one way or another. For some he's reason, just in everything. I think that he's like just an inherently likable person. Like he just has a likable face. He doesn't because I don't like him. Really? And I think he's awful in things. I didn't. I thought he was awful in this movie. I thought he was awful in Star Wars. Ex Machina, he was good in. I'll give him that. He was good in that. I, I didn't hate him in this or anything. I, I didn't... He's not in it a whole lot. And the weird thing is, to me, he felt out of place. He sure did. More so than even Will Poulter, who I think also kind of felt out of place. But Will Poulter kind of... He kind of looked like a... <laughs> for some reason to me, he kind of looked like a like a Civil War soldier. <laughs> He just has that thing. civil, wool, civil yeah. soldier look. For some reason, I don't know how to describe it. But... Classic civil war look. But Donald Gleason definitely He did. Felt, he, he just felt like an actor to me. Yeah. And I don't know that's, if that's the thing with him. He always feels like he's acting to me. Yeah. I mean so, uh, I except think like Ex Machina and that one episode of Black Mirror that he was on. Mm. Those are like the two things where I was like, hey, Donald Gleason's pretty good, but like everything else, like Frank, uh, I think maybe it's just uh, it's just not the right role for him. I don't, but his man, his agent that's getting him in everything. Yeah, he is. He's he is in everything. He's blowing up. I just feel like he just keeps popping up. Like whenever they're making a movie, that agent just pops up and he's like, "Hey, Donald Gleason, what do you think? Hey, you got a role for Donald in this? All right, (laughs) he just bashes people twenty four seven. That's what he does. He just wears him down until finally, like, I had to put fucking Donald Gleason in this movie. This guy will not leave me alone. <laughs> just write something for him. Lucas Haas was in this in this movie. I don't even think I recognized him. Does he play? I like that there's a character named Dave Stomach Wound. <laughs> Dave Stomach Wound. <laughs> Dave Stomach Wound. <laughs> Did he have the stomach wound name before he actually acquired the stomach wound? That's what I'm wondering. Because that would be, I mean, if you're going to go by that nickname, you know, 
some point in time, someone's going to give you a stomach wound. His last name's Wound, but they, and then <laughs> the stu- they added the stomach as the, it's like his nickname. His, his <laughs> real name's Dave Wound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, jeez. Uh, now, on your... In your screening of this, did you notice that when the the Native Americans spoke, it was like it didn't off? match? Yeah. yeah, it didn't match. It was yes. What, what's up with that? Have you do you, have, have you read no up idea. on that? Do you know what happened with that? I have no idea. But there was several times where things were not lining up, which I just don't I don't know what's happening there. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was like if they had to dub over it or. What? But something definitely fell off with that for me, and I'm not. I don't. I don't really know what it was. I mean, it didn't pull me out of it or anything, but it just it seemed odd considering everything else seemed to be so meticulously crafted in this movie. Um, you know, this is this this movie had a troubled production. I I, I seem to remember months ago. And I mean, even after they released the first trailer, they were still shooting the movie, even after the first trailer came out, because they were running into so many problems. And I think people were getting hurt on set and stuff. I mean, but uh, Yeah, I can definitely see that. When you see this movie, it's definitely, it's intense. I mean, there's there's no way that they, especially like the rapid scene and stuff when he's in the water. There's so many things where you're just, you're watching it thinking to yourself, you don't have to do this. Like we don't have to put people in like real danger to make movies. Yeah, but I think that the I mean, looks good. Yeah. yeah, I mean the the fact that it definitely gets bonus points from me just because there's so much of this that they could have done with a green screen and they could have done it on sets and whatever and yeah, they but are, you to... know how masculine are they? I mean, they're actually a bunch of pussies. They should have used a real fucking bear. <laughs> I mean, if you want to make a movie not for pussies, use a you fucking get that, real bear. You get that bear to maul him. I want you to fucking earn that Oscar, Leo. I want you, you to wrestle bear. a bear. I want you to fight a bear. That's what they should do. They should just flat out tell him. It's like, you just got to wrestle a bear. If you win, you get an Oscar. Yeah, um... I don't think he cares about Oscars, but I think he he might wrestle a bear if it meant, you know, <laughs> meant make it a good movie. Prove, prove himself. Fight that bear. Yeah, I, I doubt he really cares about the Oscar too much. But no. I don't I don't know. Maybe Because no. even if he doesn't get one, they're going to give him one, you know, at the end of their career when they're like, hey, we fucked up. Like they've done with like every other important <laughs> so figure in cinema. And it's like, oh, you Sorry. know what? We never gave this person an Oscar. Damn it! I don't know. I feel like getting an honorary Oscar would be like a consolation prize. It it wouldn't feel real to me. Well, they, I mean, the Oscars aren't real, anyways. Yeah, I guess it's just them jerking each other off. Say I it, guess can't I said it before. I'll say it again. It's just a circle jerk for rich white guys in their fucking studios. Hmm. All right. It's like this movie, but yeah, let's give awards. Yeah, it's it's funny how the, the critics can love a movie and then it does not get nominated for anything. Yeah, we know. No, and and there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of movies where critics will be like, "Yeah, it was okay," and then audiences are like, "Yeah, it was okay," but then the Academy's like, "Yes, it was amazing. Give it everything. 
It's like, why? And it's like, because we dumped $75 million into it. God, we have to give it something to make it worthwhile. So we'll give it an Oscar. Yeah. And just, uh, anyway, uh, the Revenant, any final thoughts on this one? I could have done without that pseudo, whatever you want to call it. I'm not even sure what it is. The spiritual religious stuff. It would have worked so much better if you didn't have that in there. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it the movie overall still worked it, tremendously for me, though. I mean, I was able to look past that stuff because it was pretty, dude, it, wasn't, it wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of that in there. No, but there was enough for me. Now, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about because there's there's a certain certain line of dialogue because the, the screenplay for this is really not good. Anytime they open up their mouths, it's, it's rough. Um, but there's one line in particular that just felt completely out of place was when they finally meet each other to, you know, throw down mm-hmm. and to get that sweet revenge. And Tom Hardy throws out where he's like, well, you shouldn't have raised a bitch. It's just like, that didn't feel like time period of the time. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't... what the hell is this? Like all of a sudden he just goes straight up slang on him. <laughs> like, well, you shouldn't have raised a little whiny bitch. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> what do you? Who thought that that was a good line of dialogue? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know about that. A lot of people were talking about how comedic this movie is, and how it was. There were a lot of uh, possibly unintentionally funny things that happen, but I, I didn't. I wasn't really seeing that. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, outside of like Tom Hardy grunting again, which is <laughs> like, oh. T- Classic Hardy grunts, nice. And then even Leo gets in on it. And yeah. He starts he starts doing some grunting. And it's like, oh shit, it's contagious. But outside of that, yeah, I didn't I didn't find a lot of humor. Yeah, and I, I I didn't either. Be unintentional or otherwise. Yeah, I'd be interested in knowing what the the funny bits were supposed to be. I guess people just laughed at, at Leo's misfortune. I guess him having to sleep in a horse. <laughs> uh, that scene when he dives off the cliff on the horse that was ridiculous everything about that sequence too because that sequence is so amazing and then it ends with him going off of a cliff into yeah. a tree and they, they he take you know Lubeski takes the camera out over the top of the tree yep oh boy oh my god yeah I think visuals and and the like the the setting I mean Oh this, my god, this, the locations so, are just unbelievable. Everything was so brutal looking, but at the same time, this kind of, it had this like stark beauty to it. I just, I loved it. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. The visuals alone, they make up for so much. Yeah. It makes up for so much. I mean, honestly, this movie could have been about like Leo trying to retrieve his charlotte hornet starter jacket i still i'd still be like yeah go see it visuals are great doesn't uh, make a fucking sense like you know the time frame and why does he have a hornet starter jacket does, it, does, it, does it really match up but who cares <laughs> who gives shit it looks great uh oh i it like probably, it probably actually would have been better if that's what the narrative was gotta get that hornet starter jacket that would have been funny it's all about that teal and the flashbacks were of him wearing it, walking around town, shooting hoops and shit. Just feel, just overall feeling great about a starter jacket. Just feeling good. 
he just his confidence just as soon as he puts it on he puffs it up and he's you know he's always snagging on the collar and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it gives him like plus 50 confidence nice yep yep uh all right let's go ahead and give this thing a score i'm gonna give the revenant an eight out of ten i'm gonna give it uh i'm gonna give it a seven all right there you go Revenant is playing in theaters right now, and I would say definitely go see this one. It is, what? it is, uh, it's a brutal film. It is very. This, this is the only time. Times, but... This is the only time that I've ever thought to myself, like, I wonder what the D box experience is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just does like needles come out into your back while he's getting mirror, getting destroyed by that bear? Probably, probably that needles. Would be, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, definitely go see The Revenant. Let's talk about some of what we've been watching in our watch list. As I said, I have nothing because I've uh, been watching some, some other stuff that I'll be covering on the site later in the coming this weeks. Is, this is all me. Yeah, it's all you. It's the I Kevin hate, Show. I hate this episode. This episode is the worst. <laughs> well, since we talked about it earlier, I saw Jurassic World. Uh-oh. little J-World yeah. action. little J-World action. Um... And there's one thing that I realized that just really just saddens me. I've seen more Colin Trevorrow movies than I have of like John Ford or Howard Hawks or like, you know, any of like the big Hollywood directors. I've seen more Colin Trevorrow's than yeah, I mean, what, I two, 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 two. <laughs> Still, yeah, like you've seen his whole <laughs> filmography, or that he that has, is. that he has. I was gonna say that he has a big filmography. I think that is his whole filmography. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I'm a fucking Trevorrow completist, apparently, for whatever reason. Um, this movie is this movie is odd. This is an odd one for me. Like fifty percent of the effects look, they look great. They look fantastic. The other fifty percent look awful. Yeah. There's just there's some set pieces that you're just like yeah, I'm yeah. Like, man look at the di- look at the detail in the dinosaur this looks amazing, and then there's other it's like oh my god look at the way that dinosaur moves this yeah. is disgusting it's yeah it's really inconsistent it's so oh, and then it seems to take itself a bit too seriously yes which comes off unintentionally hilarious at certain points yes. especially like everything between D'Onofrio and Chris Pratt. Like when you know when you first meet Chris Pratt and him, everything that happens with those velociraptors, yeah, yeah, controlling the building a rapport with the velociraptors and training them. He just keeps yelling out their names and looking at them so seriously. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, this is this is weird. And another thing that I noticed that just really threw me off is I don't know if. Trevor just doesn't understand how emotions work or how people interact with each other. But there's a lot of just random scenes of people just starting to cry for really like no, like the little kid when they're on like the monorail thing, he just starts like silent crying and his face is all contorted and he's like, parents are getting divorced. And it's like, what? Seems like a really odd time to bring this up. Why are we having this discussion? Like, why do we need the parents to be getting into a divorce? Seems completely unnecessary. Uh yeah, I guess it is. I, I never really didn't And then really, like uh, and then Judy Greer's on the phone and she just starts crying when she's like outside of like a huge important meeting apparently. And she just decides to call her sister and be like, Hey, how's Jurassic World going? And then she just starts crying 
It's like, why is everyone crying? What? It's supposed to be a movie about dinosaurs. They're all just emotional wrecks at this point. <laughs> but nothing bad has happened yet. It's like the dinosaurs haven't even escaped yet. And everyone's already a wreck. Just everyone's lives are falling apart. And we haven't even gotten to dinosaurs tearing people limb from limb. And then the dinosaurs start killing people. And everyone's like, everyone, finds, everyone finds strength. And like no one's like getting worked up or crying. She's like, this is really backwards. Perseverance. Apparently. I don't know. But I did love the fact that that guy was like, I'm going to be a hero. I'm going to fly this helicopter. Yeah. And then it plays out exactly the way I wanted to play out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It lasts like four minutes. (laughs) Oh, God. And the only other thing that, I mean, for the most part, I I had fun here and there. But... The way that they they deal with this Indominus Rex creature, hate, oh. it, it seems like they were just making it up as they went along. Where they're just like that, it can camouflage, and it's like, oh yeah, cuttlefish. We put cuttlefish in there, and then like later they're just like, I know why they didn't tell us because it's part raptor. It's like they didn't tell you like anything. They kept everything hidden. I yeah, that see that that whole that whole thing is what really brought this movie down for me i i didn't like the end the the fight scene at the end <laughs> yeah, but, and they just like hang out while they're fighting I, it's like why have you not left the area yeah like, none, none of that was fine none of that stuff worked for me the movie the movie and it's been since it was in the theater since i saw this so i'm obviously forgetting a lot but i remember it started off really strong for me and i i love the uh the pod scene like when they were when it when shit first started hitting the fan and they were the the two oh, yeah, brothers the, yeah, were in the, the pod oh and the gyroscope thing yeah that was fantastic yeah that that whole sequence that whole set piece was awesome but man there's just a lot of missteps in this thing yeah i just i, I think that they really <laughs> fell short with the whole hybrid dinosaur thing it just didn't that didn't work for me it was just cuz it ridiculous. just it just felt like just random animals thrown together they're just like, well, how can we make it cooler? Well, let's say camouflage because cuttlefish. 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 Oh, it's also a raptor. It could talk to other raptors. Oh, shit. Twist. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Why didn't you make it fly? Jesus. Yeah, anyway. Throw everything in there. Have it breathe fire. <laughs> Ew. What? Come on. Just turn it into Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey. I didn't like Jurassic World. That's what I'm getting at. Didn't like it. It's disappointing. I guess the next one's me too, because you didn't want shit. Nope, I didn't. I kind of okay. dropped the ball, really. <laughs> well, it's it's good. I I'm happy that it's not me like it usually is. It's you this time around. I'll have more next week. But the unintended consequences that I have to talk like the entire time, which is my least favorite thing to do. Yeah, I'll support you as much as I can. All right, deal. Uh, I watched. Speaking of Howard Hawks. I watched my first Howard Hawks movie. This is 1941's Ball of Fire, which is uh, also written by Billy Wilder. So that's pretty exciting. And it was really the main reason I wanted, decided to watch this, because it popped up on movie.com, which is where I saw it. <clears throat> and this is also the first time I've ever seen a movie with Gary Cooper mm-hmm. or Barbara Stanwyck, which Barbara Stanwyck is awesome. And she is awesome in this movie. Now, it's pretty funny. It's one of those, you know, kind of fish out of water type deals where these guys are holed up in this large state working on an encyclopedia, you know, because back then 
you had to write that shit by hand. <laughs> so you had these eight guys, these, you know, these, these brainiacs, academic guys working on this encyclopedia and they're stuck. They're stuck on the letter S. They just, they're just getting run down. Right. And Gary Cooper is stuck on, he's stuck on the slang portion of the encyclopedia and he's completely out of his element. He doesn't know shit dick about slang. So he ends up going to a nightclub, which it's got um, some uh, musical numbers from Gene Krupa and his orchestra, which is unbelievable. Gene Krupa does the, he does a solo on a matchbox and it's incredible. Hmm. Oh, it's so fantastic. And that's where they end up meeting Barbara Stanwyck and she knows all the slang, but she's also trying to hide out from the cops because her boyfriend is a gangster, Joey Lilac. And the other guy's name is like one of his henchmen is named Pastrami. So she ends up staying with these guys to teach them about slang and they end up learning from each other because they're opposites. Yeah. And it's fun. For for the most part, everything involving Cooper and Stanwyck is it's it's fun because you just have these opposites, and it's old timey with the old timey slang and stuff. So that adds another element to it, which is just fun to see, and then breaking down the word corny for you. And uh, the only the only thing about this is where it started to lose me is one that these two narratives come together where it's Cooper and Stan would kind of fall in love with each other, but yet she still has her, her gangster boyfriend that wants to get married. And then they end up meeting and they kind of outsmart the gangsters and use their wits. And they just gets really, really silly at that point in time. And that silliness just didn't really work for me because it's 1941 silliness. Right. And it just, it didn't work, but everything up until that point is fantastic. I loved it. Cool. Just stick the landing, but uh, definitely need to watch more Howard Hawks, at least more than I've seen of Colin Trevorrow. And then the same goes for Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck. Need to see more of them stat. Isn't Colin Trevorrow doing, isn't he doing, uh, he's doing one of the Star Wars movies, I think. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be, it's just going to be people crying. <laughs> it's just people just breaking down and crying for no reason whatsoever. Everyone's getting a divorce. everyone's just a wreck Uh, and then I watched another classic that's 1963's Charade directed by Stanley Donnan who apparently is more known for his musical he's got did singing in the rain Seven Brides for Seven Brothers this one is a comedy slash action slash mystery and oh my god do all the elements work Absolutely wonderful together. This is one of my new favorite movies. I just loved everything about it. The screenplay, the banter, and Peter Stone's screenplay is just, it's so great. It's so witty and just fantastic. And it even gets, it gets silly at points, but the silliness works. Cary Grant's amazing. Audrey Hepburn's great. And my favorite thing about Audrey Hepburn's character, because she plays this, she plays a widow. Her husband's killed. She wanted to get a divorce anyway. He ends up getting killed. And apparently he left her a quarter of a million dollars. And now these guys, they've come to get their money back. But she doesn't know where it is. She has no idea. And it's just a comedy of errors and people having different identities and whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, the best thing about her character is she's just always she's always eating. Like her mind is preoccupied with eating. Like when you first... When she's first like told about her husband dying, she goes to the morgue and identifies the body. Then the inspector's like telling her what happened. And she just, out of her purse, 
just pulls out a Ziploc bag of snacks and just starts snacking. <laughs> it's like, and just that little bit, I was like, well, I love this character because even though the, and then the police inspector is trying to figure out how and why her husband was killed and thrown from a train wearing nothing but pajamas, and she's like, I have to have a snack. Munching on some trail mix. <laughs> yeah, she's like, this trumps everything. I need a snack. And then later on, she meets with uh, with uh, a supposed CIA, uh, Walter Matthau plays, and he's, you know, kind of giving her the rundown of, you know, what happened, why they were looking for this money. And in the middle of that, she's just like, I'm hungry. Do you have a sandwich? And now she's eating sandwiches. She's just constantly eating all the time, no matter what's going on. She's just, her first thought is like, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I need something to eat, which I don't know why, but just that little detail and the way, the, the fact that they keep it up throughout the entire movie. Like she just, she'll interrupt Cary Grant while they're walking down the street and she's like, buy me an ice cream. And she's just <laughs> like, damn, she's thinking about ice cream now. She's being tracked by four grown adults that want to kill her. And she's like, I need snacks. Oh, Kevin, there's always time for ice cream. <laughs> I know. That's what I love about her. Because I'm like, yeah, I'd probably want ice cream too. If someone was trying to kill me, I'd probably want ice cream immediately. It's just a lot of stress eating and it's great. I love it. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I just love this fucking movie. It's so fun. And the banter is amazing. The dialogue is great. This is, and I saw this on uh, Netflix Instant has it, and I think it's also on FanDuel. Oh, okay, so you, cool. You have two options. You can watch this sucker. Cool. Watch this classic Hollywood. What else you got? I got uh, one that I wrote a review for, so I'll keep this relatively short. That's Wake Me When I Leave from 2015. Tyler Rubenfeld, American indie. Um, this is this is one of those movies that's like half great. And the other half is kind of like, eh, because it, it all sort of takes place in like the dream world construct yeah. of this one. And everything that involves that is fantastic. It's a great understanding, great navigation of it. Um, and just everything gets more surreal and you just really don't know where the hell you are, whether you're in an actual memory or if it's a misappropriated memory. Um, is it a nightmare sequence? Is it a dream sequence? Is it actually real? I, you have no idea. And it just gets more confusing as the movie goes. And everything within that is fantastic. <clears throat> it's just a matter of when it comes back out, it kind of reveals itself to, I'm not 100% sure what what we were doing, what the point of all this was. Um, there's really no stakes, at least I, none that I could tell. Um, but it's successful enough as a debut that I, you know, I want to see more. Yeah. But I don't know if this is like a one-off type thing where it's just like, oh, I made a, a dream movie and now I'm going to do something else because he has that locked down. And I'd like to see what he does, you know, in that world moving forward. So, well, yeah, I go, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Okay. See what happens. That's uh, Wake Me When I Leave. How'd you see this? I saw this uh, screener. Oh, okay. So that's not out, that's not out yet. It, it played apparently it played like towards the beginning of the year it played on no budge. Oh, okay. but it was one of those like limited right screening type deals. Okay, eh, take a, keep an eye out for that. Wake me when I leave. Keep an eye out for that one. Cool. All right, that's all I got. I'm Let's done. talk about some predictions. Last week, the forest. <laughs> you said twelve. I said thirty-six. Actual twelve. Nice. Yeah, you got it right on the money. Yes. 
right on the money, and I wanted to lower my score last week. And I wouldn't let you. Oh, but if you remember correctly, you wanted to lower yours also. So I know. I'm so glad I didn't. Next week, days. we have Ride Along 2. Oh, thank goodness. Big clamor for that one. Why do they make... They just make sequels of everything. I feel it's like the first turning. Ride Along just came out, too. It did. It does feel relatively fresh. It was very recent. They really... Like, yeah, like last year. Like till in, or like in the graveyard period of 2014. Yeah. And now they're going to release a sequel in the graveyard period of 2016. Yep. Just when, why do you not learn things? I guess it did well. I mean, Kev, at the time, I guess Kevin Hart still. I guess that was part of the, where they were just cramming him. Yeah. Yeah. That's when he was huge. And I'm sure that it made a shitload of money because of that. All right. What are you thinking on Ride Along 2? Ride Along 2, I'm thinking 38. 38? All right. I will say 41 on that one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have 13 Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. <laughs> Starring you, Kevin Reekstrom. <laughs> what, what is this? It's a new Michael Bay film. Oh, my. Yeah, so it's a Michael Bay film about uh, Benghazi. And it stars Jim Helpert. With a beard. Yeah, with a beard. He's got a beard going on. Do you I have a beard? Grow. No, I wish I could grow a beard like that. <laughs> that comes in patchy. It looks terrible. Looks like when like a little kid like cuts hair off and like glues it to their face. <laughs> that's what my shit grows in like. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Mine doesn't grow in great either. I, I can't grow like an actual beard. I just have to leave it at, at kind of like stubble. <laughs> I like how both of us are like, I'd rather talk about how shitty our beards grow than Michael Bay's new film. Yeah. Well, uh, a little foreshadowing. We're probably going to come back to this on uh, this week's Ryan Watches a Movie. So. Ooh. It, it looked, it, it, I find it odd that it looks like he, Michael Bay's trying to make like a Michael Mann movie. I get the sense. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't like know. His, his digital look. But well, it's it, like the whole the whole thing about Michael Bay movies is that his movies are always so big and loud and boisterous and stylized. But this one, just due to the subject matter alone, I feel like he's gonna have to tone it back. Like, yeah, he's gonna and have to dial it back a little bit, considering that this is something that happened pretty recently. People actually die. Yeah. Like, I really do not think we should be making a movie about this. Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have no idea what to what to think about this one. This is just, just a terrible idea. Due to the release date, it has me a little... And, and the director, of course. I'm a little... Well, the trailer, too. Yeah, the trailer does not just, look great. I don't, I don't like anything about this. Yeah, I, I think that this one's going to be a dud. I'm going to say... Uh, f- I'll say 42. I'm going to say 20. 20 on that one. I, I'm not sure if there's any other wide releases. Those will be the only two that we'll predict. Uh, additionally, next week we have Norm of the North, which is an animated film. Norm of the North? It's a little polar bear. It's like a polar oh, bear. Oh, boy. It looks, it looks, <laughs> I haven't seen the trailer, but just from the, the posters and the, the, various stills that i've been sent that pop oh, up in God. my email inbox uh oh, 
not not looking forward to this one. It doesn't look very good. It looks kind of stupid. It's it's a polar bear and his three lemming friends. Oh, of in, course. In New York City. Oh boy. <laughs> Cutting loose in the big city. Oh boy. Rob Rob Schneider. Oh well. Okay. Well, there you have it. Yeah, I'm gonna guess a zero for that one. <laughs> Based on that information. Uh all right, well I'll predict it too. Since you're saying a zero, I'll say twelve. Okay. In limited release, we have the benefactor. Uh, I've been getting emails about that, but I can't remember what that one's all about. Richard Gear. Oh yeah, that's right. It's a Richard Gear. Four hundred days. A uh, perfect day. Band of robbers and intruders. Let's let you know, four hundred days has Dane Cook. <laughs> Whoa, he's back. He's making a comeback with four hundred days. Nice. Dane Cook and Tom Cavanaugh. Sweet. Brandon Ralph. Remember that guy? Superman? Yeah, Superman. I remember. Superman. Superman's in a movie called 400 Days Now. Okay. He's on, um, he's going to be on that new CW show, Legends of Tomorrow. He plays the Atom. VOD next week. We really don't have anything. We mentioned Lamb last week. So that's, Lamb is playing in select cities right now, and it comes out on VOD on, on Tuesday. So Tuesday the 12th, you can check out Lamb. That's pretty much all I have here for VOD. Uh, Check your listings because the the VOD thing has been difficult during these holiday months. It's out of hand. Yeah, it's it's been really hard to track down exact dates and whatnot. So I'm hoping that now now that the holidays are over, we're going to get back into the full swing of things and we'll start having that uh, calendar be updated and accurate because yeah. I can't get accurate. I, I don't put things on the calendar unless I know for a fact that that's the release date. So, you know, some things aren't ending up there cause I'm just not sure. So anyway, um, yeah, I would say check like, uh, and the Amazon instant website or, uh, iTunes and see, see what's, what's on the horizon this weekend. Cause uh, I'm not really seeing anything. Blu-ray, next week we have The Martian, The Stanford Prison Experiment, Hotel Transylvania 2. Now, now if you remember correctly, Kevin, last week I, I read these. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> this all sounds very familiar. I cut that all out, so those of you listening, basically last week I screwed up and <laughs> we did this segment and I read this week's last week. But fortunately, I was able to cut it all out. Okay. But now that I'm... Now that I'm telling you that i did it it's still i'm still making my fuck up apparent so transparency that's what that's that's what what that's we're all about we're all about transparency here so paranormal activity the ghost dimension uh irrational man that's the woody allen that just kind of came and went this year what happened to that one i don't know it did it just kind of flittered past you know why because it didn't come out november 30th or December 25th. That's right. So people just forgot about it. <laughs> it got buried in the 10 other months that apparently we make <laughs> movies and watch. Uh, the Look of Silence, Contracted Phase 2. Uh, that's pretty much it. Now, are you going to watch Contracted Phase 2? No, I'm not going to watch Contracted Phase 2 because I absolutely hated the first one with a passion. It's... It is the most ridiculous. The things that happen in that movie 
are absolutely <laughs> nonsensical. Like I love that you just got riled up. Ah, I anytime I think about that contracted movie, there's there's you know, there's some movies that just really piss just me piss off. You, just piss you off. That frustrate me and and contracted was a movie that frustrated me because it looked good. Like visually, it looked good. But man, what happens in that movie? Read my letterboxed review on that one. Not get into it, but man, terrible. Just terrible. Uh, what do we have in the way of Criterion's next week? We got two, twofer. We got Wim Wenders' The American Friend, which is a loose adaptation of Patricia Highsmith Ridley Ripley's game. Uh, Dennis Hopper, and uh, God, do I want to see this movie? Yeah, I really want to see this too. It's actually, just, it looks so great. It's been on my list forever. But uh, let me check something real quick. <clears throat> Damn it, it's not coming to Hulu Plus. It's just Blu-ray DVD. Yeah, that's unfortunate. The other one, however, is coming to Hulu Plus, and I think it's been on Hulu Plus for a long time, and that's Bitter Rice by Giuseppe DeSantis. Bitter Rice. 1949. It's an early smash hit for uh, Dino De Laurentiis. Good cover. On that about, yeah, I love, I just love the idea of this movie. It's, it's planning season for the rice fields, and there's a small-time criminal planning a daring heist of the crop. Like, when's the last time you saw a movie? A rice heist? A, a, a rice heist? Are you kidding me? Wow, that's unbelievable. Or a rice heist. How do you... I just... I I need to know what goes into stealing a, a crop of rice. <laughs> How do you pull that off? The logistics of stealing a crop of rice just has me instantly fascinated. Yeah, I'm kind of interested to find out how that how that all plays out as well. I'm gonna have to watch that. That sounds great. Cool. Uh, I think that that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Be sure to send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a minute to take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Bye.